Having an emissions trading scheme is a really fundamental part of creating that incentive for change, but it needs to work alongside the right mixture of complementary policies. Welcome to Radio Cause, our podcast series on emissions trading schemes. This series is part of Life Cause, an EU-funded project to provide knowledge for improved emissions trading. I am Lea Heinrich and I am Marie Roth from the Florence School of Regulation Climate. Today we are very happy to speak to Hannah Lewis and Sam Reed from the UK Department for Energy Security and Net Zero. Since 2021, Hannah works as Head of Policy for the UK Emissions Trading Scheme at the department, which was until recently called the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Hannah held previous positions as Senior Policy Advisor on the EU ETS and as Head of Carbon Pricing Negotiations at the department. Sam works as Head of Scope Expansion for the UK Emissions Trading Scheme, as Hannah at the Department for Energy Security and Net Zero, where he has held previous positions as Policy Advisor and Senior Policy Advisor. Hello Hannah, hello Sam, thank you for being here with us today. Hi, great to be here, thanks so much for having us. Thank you. So today we're here to talk about the UK ETS, the United Kingdom's emission trading system, which um, was born f following the departure of the UK from the European Union's emission trading system. Uh, it began operating in 2021 and it covers around a quarter of uh, the UK's territorial emissions. Structurally, the system uh, is inherited from the UETS, and so it has a lot of similarities, but um, of course it's evolving into its own system with its own specificities. Um, Hannah, maybe could you tell us what the latest developments in the UK uh, scheme is? Yes, of course. Um, so yes, as you've said, the UK Emissions Trading Scheme, it was set up in January 2021. Um, and when the scheme was first introduced, um, a number of the parameters, the design features of the scheme were carried over from the EU ETS. Um, and this was both to ensure a smooth transition for the, the participants in the scheme and also very much in recognition um, that the EU ETS is an effective scheme to design that the UK has had uh, been a part of shaping for many years. Um, but we always said um, that we would develop the UK ETS in its early years to make sure it was working effectively in the UK's specific context. In July, we announced a wide range of structural reforms to the scheme. So most fundamentally, this includes aligning the cap, which sets a limit on overall emissions within the scheme with a net zero trajectory. So we're changing the cap basically to bring it in line with the UK's net zero strategy, which hadn't been uh, released at the time when we set up the scheme. Um, and the effect of this will be a 30% reduction in the cap, um, which will come into force from 2024. So it is quite a big, a big drop in the overall cap and will be quite an ambitious um, change. We've also announced in order to smooth the transition to the cap, we will be redistributing some allowances that already sit un under the scheme, within the scheme, between 2024 and 2027, just to ensure that there is a smooth decline. Um, but supply will be gradually coming down starting from next year. Um, in addition to this, we've announced um, a, a reduction in the overall pot of allowances we have available to give to industrial participants to free uh, for free. So this is free allocation. 
We've also announced the, the phase out of free allocation for the aviation sector by 2026. And we've announced the expansion of the scheme um, to a couple of new sectors, including domestic maritime by 2026 and energy from waste and waste incineration um, by 2028. And we can say more uh, about that later if interesting. Um, and following these big structural changes, the next phase of the work will look at and look some of the mechanics to the scheme. So there will be a review into rules for distributing free allocation, so who gets what, um, and also a review into markets policy as we're transitioning from an early scheme into a more established scheme. This maybe uh, is a nice link to my second question, then, which um, I was wondering if you could tell us more about the main challenges faced by the system and what's uh, what um, you mentioned already a little bit, but what uh, are the topics that you are looking into to try to improve um, the system's functioning? Yes, of course. Um, so maybe starting with challenges, um, and Sam will probably want to, to come in here as well. Um, I think maybe, first of all, there is a big challenge in terms of confidence and certainty. Um, so one of the primary features of an ETS is that it is there to provide a long-term signal for decarbonisation. Um, as through setting sort of a key structure in place that is predictable. Um, and a big challenge is just being able to provide clear long-term clarity for participants regarding the future of the scheme and to, to rightly enable sort of businesses and industry to be able to plan and inform their long-term investment plans. Um, but this can be tricky where schemes need to be agile to respond to changing developments, such as wider policy landscape, progress against decarbonisation targets, technological availability, and, and so on. Um, I also think linked to this, there's a challenge around clear communication. Um, these are really complex policy areas, and the need to communicate changes in a way that is really clear to understand shows interactions with the wider policy landscape. And maybe as an example, uh, the recent reforms that I mentioned to the UK ETS, in places we have seen some misunderstanding around what this actually means in practice. So I think we're learning that there is a challenge for us in terms of making it really, really clear that you know, the cap is coming down, there will be a reduction in supply and so on. Thank you, Hannah. Maybe Sam, you want? Yes, so I guess kind of slightly different interpretation to the question so i think there's on, on particular on on scope expansion which is the the area of work i do so that's all about bringing new sectors into the uk ets so those uh you know slightly more complicated arguably so there's you know different things we have to consider um that we don't have to consider for, for the exceptions that are already in the scheme but we want to use what we do here as a bit of a blueprint for for bringing further sectors in um further down the line so, uh, as Hannah said, we're, we're aiming to bring in uh, Maritime from 2026 and then Energy from Waste and Waste Innovation for 2028. But then there's questions around what we do with international journeys um, and cost pass through starts to get a bit more complicated in that, um, you know, waste is, is funded by local authorities to, to a reasonably large extent. Um, and there's an interaction with extended producer responsibility or EPR, which is another policy that UK is doing, which is trying to put some of the cost of packaging back onto the producer of that packaging. 
and then it starts to get into to kind of circular economy and, and the transition there so it starts to get more and more complicated as you add these new sectors in so very very challenging but but exciting there and I guess a couple of points that are kind of slightly bigger picture challenges I guess and I think similar to what Hannah said um for me uncertainty is quite a big challenge that we're facing so I think if you look back at you know what I imagine will be the defining events of the early 2020s if you look at Covid if you look at you know even Bitcoin all of these things have had an impact or you know have, have been manifest through ETS so how we you know Covid obviously reduced emissions Brexit obviously we left the EU ETS and established our own scheme um you know the the kind of Bitcoin has, has changed the way uh, partially we think about how commodity markets and stuff will be traded in the future so every kind of big and inflation obviously energy prices that the past couple of years obviously um have also changed that the kind of dynamics and the, the narratives around here as well and i think for me you know there's surely going to be other things like this that we that we don't really predict and we have to have a policy that's resilient to those changes and still drives the decarbonization that we want it to um achieve despite these unexpected um events i think similarly there's a bit of a tension as well between you know getting the perfect policy design but but having pace of of the reforms that you want to do so we know from you know early eu ets and early uk ets we do learn through doing and you know sometimes we do make mistakes but that is part of improving and evolving and and reforming the scheme um but you know equally we do have a responsibility because there is quite a large cost that, that's put onto um, emitters. So we do need you know, some level of getting the policy right. And we don't have a crystal ball that can help us to predict these things. So there is a bit of a tension there in you know how we design the future of our policy that we've, we've got to deal with. Yeah, re- very interesting comments. Did you want to bounce back? Or? There was one other challenge that maybe we, we haven't mentioned that, that might be worth mentioning is, um, so obviously the overall objective of the ETS is to drive decarbonisation but there is a challenge within this of how we manage so that the risk of carbon leakage so essentially how do we get the right balance of policy and incentives for industrial decarbonisation within the scheme where in many cases that transformation relies on some really big game-changing technologies like carbon capture and storage hydrogen electrification and and that Um, having an emissions trading scheme is a really fundamental part of creating that incentive for change but it needs to work alongside the right mixture of complementary policies uh, including you know regulation financing and so on yeah i think as well just just add quickly you know these policies are constantly evolving as well there's there's more policies coming on there's policies retiring the policy landscape in itself is evolving so UKTS and the way that UKTS interacts with those policies has also got to you know keep pace keep evolving so they all you know functions effectively yeah. together Th- thank you for you for your insights i think um i mean we can i had a last question but that maybe we can try to squeeze into the, the time of the podcast um but i i mean we did mention it already but i was um interested in in um maybe trying to discuss a little bit the potential for future evolution of the EUETS. We already talked about scope and expansion, but maybe some you want to uh, discuss a bit more yes. about, about So there's, you know, the, the reforms that Hannah mentioned are kind of just the start, really. There's, there's lots more lots more coming. So um, as mentioned, expanding scope, so bringing in maritime, bringing in um, waste incineration and energy from waste. I think there's, there's 
things around here is, is uh, around kind of preserving the integrity of the cap as well. So as Hannah said, we've done lots of stuff to bring the cap down and align our cap with net zero consistent trajectory. As we bring in more sectors, we're going to have to think about how we preserve the integrity of that cap with weather and, and how we adjust the cap. Just quickly, uh, mm-hmm. what I find interesting also, as compared to the EU ETS, this scope expansion would be included within the same system. So yeah, so for, for maritime and waste, it will still be part of our you know UK ETS 1, I guess. Um, so, but EU ETS obviously has a, a kind of EU ETS 2, which has got heat and, and buildings, but that's not part of our plans yet. But obviously there's, you know, lots of thinking and, and questions around, you know, what we do to, to incentivise decarbonisation in, in these other areas as well. Um, in terms of other things with, with UK ETS, you know, we're, we're doing some thinking on how we, when, how we bring in uh, GGRs, which we have, we like a three-letter acronym in, in ETS team, um, but we mean greenhouse gas removals and offsets exactly in how we, you know, when, if, how we integrate those with the scheme. Again, similar questions about how we preserve the integrity of the existing UK ETS if we do bring in these offsets. There's been cases in the past where those have been brought in the EU and, and you know, as I kind of hinted before, the mistakes have been made, make sure we learn from that, but also thinking about, you know, future of UK ETS up to 2050, and, and how it's going to be a mechanism for for helping us reach net zero. Um, so, and there's reforms, as, as Hannah said, to like the way that we do the existing markets, existing free allocation of allowances as well. So lots of exciting stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A lot, a lot of exciting new challenges and, and directions in which the UK ETS may develop in the future. Thank you very much, both of you, for, for answering my questions. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for joining us today. This was Radio Cause, recorded for Live Cause, a project of the Florence School of Regulation. Check out our project website at livecause.eui.eu for more information and stay tuned for the next episodes.